Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark Know Your Ears Do Not Deceive You. That is a brand new theme song recorded a cappella by Andrew Byrne. And yes, he's the voice behind every one of those voices, if you know what I mean. And I'm the voice behind Mark Blankenship, one of your co-hosts at Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. With me, as always, is the acapella sarah debunting because you're not uh, yes that gorgeous <laughs> baritone you've come to know and no sure <laughs> and we are now here in the first new episode that we're recording in 2018 you might be thinking but mark what about the cars episode well yes dear listeners but we actually recorded that in 2017 whoa so sarah this is our first time sitting down together in 2018 for episode 86 and you have brought us some shall we say appropriately mopey for the winter music to uh kick off our third great calendar year together so what are we going to be talking about today um today we're doing a little smith's um before and after i guess you could say not really before but like the smiths and then uh a morrissey song and then a johnny marr and the healer song um the acapella opener was very appropriate because that was definitely a staple of my college experience. I wasn't in an acapella group, but my university had roughly a billion and college. God, mine did too. There were like six easily on our campus. We had six that were, I think just men and then four for women. And then two that were, that were both. And Yeah. And you could not get through an archway on a weekend night because they were always in there singing Mm -hmm. Seven Bridges Road. Like, do you mind? I need to get past you to drink beer. Anywho. Did you have the one acapella group? I know know this is probably true of every school, but there was the one acapella group on our campus that was the premier one. I guess. I mean, I, I, I feel like we had... We had the one, we had the two men's groups that were like the uh, equivalent of the whiff and poofs. That was the Tiger Tones and then the Nassoons, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother, P.S., was a Smith and Poof when she was at Smith. <laughs> and my dad yes. was also in an acapella group because back in the early 60s, like everyone was just in acapella groups because they didn't have cable. And my dad always jokes about that he just sang two notes for four years because he was a bass yeah and uh they're just like okay <laughs> f i guess enjoy. you were either at that point you were either in an acapella group or you were in a folk trio i mean it was those were your only two options uh, yeah i think so um i think you could do both not sure i was never in an acapella group you know for the good of all but um the Smiths were, I think, mostly a high school experience for a lot of people because the Smiths and Morrissey in his solo career had that um, like self-absorbed teenage, like adolescent alienation, like, oh, woe is me and only me mm-hmm. thing going on that I think really speaks to people who are 14 and with good reason. But then he, Morrissey has this beautiful voice i think that manages to let you still listen to it 
20 or 30 years later and not feel too too embarrassed like there are some songs that you're like i I know i'm unlovable like bring it down a notch maza like you're you're very lovable obviously you sold out the garden state art center but um there's there's just something about that that really speaks to high school students but i was a top 40 girl all the way so i didn't hear any Smiths until I was in college. And I was actually, I actually started out on Morrissey solo stuff, but I wanted to talk about the Smiths first and then Morrissey and then Johnny Marr, um, because I think that the evolution or lack of same is uh, pretty interesting. I'm going to begin with a clip from Well, I Wonder. It was very difficult for me to narrow down uh, which Smith's song I wanted to talk about, but let's have a listen. And then, uh, Mark, I think you have a very new perspective on all of these songs. So I want to hear what you think of this clip. Here's Well, I Wonder. Okay. Well, I wonder, do you hear me when you sleep? gasping, dying, but somehow still alive. I mean, this is the customary woe is theater kid melodrama lyricism of the Smiths, but I think it's also a perfect marriage with that wistful guitar that uh, Johnny Marr did so well. Um, This is off the Mita's Murder album, which has some of the most like gorgeous and typical Smith song on it but also has meat is murder itself which starts out with a cow mooing and then is this like seven minute meditation on being a vegan which is a lot and I never listened to it um but I I love this song still um and I I think it still works even though there is that element of like fond tolerance for Morrissey's um bullshit for lack of a better word had you heard this song before, Mark? I feel like you mentioned that you had not. I had not. My whole relationship with the Smiths didn't even start in college. It didn't start in grad school. It did not start until 2005 when I was I thought you were going to say it started earlier this week when I made no. you listen to this stuff. <laughs> no, um, it didn't start until 2005 when I was 26 and Andrew and I were first dating because he and I swapped mixes with each other, mixed uh-huh. CDs. Okay. And Andrew... Andrew was uh, 
born in 72, so he was the perfect age for the Smiths when they were first popular. He loved the Smiths, the Cure, the Talking Heads. And he says, for instance, he can remember mowing the lawn, wearing all black, listening to the Smiths, and just feeling oh very, very profound. And the lines, there's, there's, there's a Smiths line this, in a Smiths. I have so many favorite Andrew stories that I should really just like put them all in a book. But I think this one just leapt to the front. I mean, it, he he tells me that when he was a teenager, there was the line in one of their songs that goes. I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on that the inside. That is also from Unlovable. I wear black on the outside. I mean, you f- you hear some of these lyrics at 15 or 18 or 30, and you're like, oh my God, someone understands how terrible it is to be me. Yes, exactly. Well, but then, as you just said, I, f- I know for a fact, because we were listening to this Smith this morning as we were making breakfast, that Andrew said... He feels like he can look back at this particular teenage obsession and not be embarrassed because there's a lot of musical stuff about the Smiths that's uh, worthwhile, which I agree with. And I didn't know their music at all except for uh, an obscure Patty Griffin cover of the song Half a Person. And I didn't realize it was a Smith song when I heard her sing it until 2005 when Andrew put their song Ask on a mix CD for me. And then I was like holy shit, this song is great. And I had known somewhere in the 90s, I had bought the cassette single of the Morrissey song, The More You Ignore Me, The Closer I Get. Oh, God, yeah, that's a great one. Which I loved and still love. Same, but, me too. So I knew that song, but I just was the wrong age, and I was quite frankly in the wrong part of the country and around the wrong type of teenager to yeah, ever know their music. I can see that. Um that's so funny that he put Ask on there because that's another song that like I don't hate it, but I always skip it now. Oh, see, I really I really like that one. I think it's partially I don't know, I just think it's great. I think that anyway, but so I the the Smith songs that I know the most are on the Louder Than Bombs compilation. Sure. And like uh and I, then there are others that I've just picked up along the way, but I quite like uh so many of their songs. One of the things that was such a surprise to me was that I had not realized that they put their mopiness to such kick-in tunes. Yeah. That, you can, that they're so sad, but there's also so much wit and energy in the music. And I thought it was just going to all be soporific moaning, but it's actually quite diverse musically. And so a song like Symmetry Gates, which I just fucking love that song. I adore that song. And like the the intelligence of that song, and he he plagiarizes a quote from the movie. I think it's Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Then he proceeds to say, "Don't plagiarize; it's terrible." Like uh-huh. that kind of arch knowing camp is so amazing to me. And you know, his one of his the, 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 just it's it's the balance of emotion and camp knowingness of how insane he is that i just love so much like there's another song uh thank you mr shankly frankly mr shankly yes that he's like spends the whole song being like fuck you you're a terrible person you're a flatulent asshole and then at the very end he goes but can you give us money yeah <laughs> give us some so, money that i believe that's on um it's not in strange ways. It's the track right after the, Cemetery Gates. I'm pretty sure. I think that's on the Queen is Dead. That's right. Because that's what we were. That's what we were listening to this morning. Anyway, that being said, I have a lot of affection for the Smiths. Although I have to admit, this song is not a song I like. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, I find it very, um, it's, it's a lot, but I just love like the rain sound effect at the end and something about the progression of the acoustic guitar, I just think is like perfect for this time of year and kind of like, you know, putting on a scarf inside and staring at the window with some tea. Right. What is it that puts you off about this one? Because I get it, but you know. Well, it's not that I dislike it. It's just that it sounds kind of like aural wallpaper to me. It uh, is to okay. me a te- it's a template for Smith songs that were done better later. Like the lyrics, for example, I'm like, yeah, that's like what Morrissey writes songs about. But then you look at the lyrics to Half a Person, and those lyrics are specifically gloomy, where these I feel like are generally gloomy. And I feel like this actually musically isn't very interesting to me. It's a little. Nah, it's just a little in the background. There's nothing urgent about it the way that, like, uh, uh, Sheila Take a Bow is urgent or Sweet and Tender Hooligan. Not that they all have to be fast, but, you know, like, there's just, to me, this song is, uh, it again, it's just the, it's basic Smith's ingredients without any of the extra sparkle that I like. Like, the really, it's not over the top in its self-loathing and mopiness. It's not musically very striking. So it's just sort of, uh, it's passable but forgettable to me. Huh. And the ones that you mention are ones that I don't care for as much. Interesting. So if we ever ranked uh, Louder Than Bombs, I feel like it would, it would be, be everything complete. would be in the middle. Yeah. Like but there I, would be no consent. Well, although, do you like Half a Person? Uh, which one is that? Call me. Uh, I'm 16, clumsy and shy. I went to London and I, I booked myself in at the, the Y. y. W-C-A. I said I like it here. I mean, I spoiler stop? for if we ever do a, a ranking of that. That's my all-time favorite Smith song. Again, based on much smaller window of knowledge. But anyway, so like this song, am I mad at this song? No, but it doesn't necessarily compel me the way some of the others do. Right. Uh, but you would say that this is a fairly like prototypical Smith song. Because oh yeah, and like I considered, he, yeah. I considered using um, "Back to the Old House," but I thought that was just like too much. Mm. Like, but I never will. Like, okay, like there does get to a point. It like it's around the two and a half minute mark, and some of these songs where you're like, okay, <laughs> have a seat. Um, but I can tell you something interesting about this song. It is the one song from the Smiths' three studio albums that they never performed live. Yeah, I got some... I went deep on some of these because the Morrissey song that we are about to discuss, uh, which is off his first solo album, Viva Hate, which came out like 10 minutes after they <laughs> broke up. He, It's Ordinary Boys, Um this is the absolute first Morrissey or Morrissey adjacent product I ever heard. It was the fall of 1990. I was like, what is this? So you was... heard this before you heard a Smith song. You heard yeah. this first. Okay. And it's a good thing that I had an old CD of Viva Hate and ripped the song from that into my iTunes library because on the remaster, he took it off. He's never performed it. It's like he wants it not to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Which you told me that. I had no idea. Like, it's not on iTunes. It's not on Spotify. You can find it on YouTube. That's where I sent you, right? But Yes. Like, and thank God it's on YouTube, because otherwise I never would have heard it. And it's, I mean, talk about vintage 
Morrissey being superior, but then also looking at himself and being like, oh, aren't you fucking superior? Uh, Let's listen to a clip. Yes. Uh, that was kind of a long clip, but I really wanted to get um, that vocal in there, which I think is lovely. Uh, something about hearing that song at 17 and the way he just nails that feeling of like that you feel like you're too big for your small town and mm-hmm. you don't belong there. But at the same time, the fact that you don't belong there and you've maybe tried to belong there is still sad to you so this is your response is like oh look at you all like cruising around on a friday night and drinking beer sniff i wish i'd get invited like that's i mean it is very adolescent but it's also quite universal and the vocal is beautiful in my opinion and this like grabbed me by the shirt front and then i was all in on him and and the smiths pretty much but this was my first exposure uh, the whole album's pretty good. Um, Bengalian Platforms is the track I'd have buried as being embarrassing if I were Maza, but <laughs> st- I mean, it's still a good song. It's just a little like, don't, <laughs> d- don't go there, pasty. Had you ever heard this before? I assume no. No, I had not. And let me tell you, uh, I am sad for 10th grade me that I did not know this song then because every <laughs> single one of the poems that I wrote as a sophomore in high school was trying to get at just this sentiment. Oh, same. I remember I wrote a song called, or not a, a song, a poem. Hold on. I, it ended with the following. Sarah, it's coming back to me now because okay. I read it to myself so frequently. I do not remember what the name of the song was. I mean, the name of the poem was, but this was the final bit. Um, I'm supposed to be impervious, but I'm not made of steel. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but at least my bones can heal. Because the whole, here's what it was, because the whole poem was about how words actually do hurt, and the shitty things that people say to me are killing me, and if it were just my bones, at least my bones would heal, but my soul will never heal. That was the thrust of the poem. Sure. I think, and so, I think we all wrote a variation on that poem. In mine, the yes. imagery was citrus fruit. Uh-huh, um, sure. I am not a grapefruit, but you are lemon. Ooh! Yes. Yes. It was in the lit mag, and I will try to find it. Oh, God, it's bad. Oh, my I God. It was so I am now... clever. It was such a, like, subtweet. I'm so sorry. I Vicky, wish you know that are. I had had the presence of mind when I was last in Chattanooga to grab 
the lit mags from my high school because, girl, I was the editor my senior year. Oh, samesies of Hello. Windward. Oh. Oh, ours was called Voyages. Thank uh-huh. you. Of course it was. But getting back to this, I feel like <laughs> much, much love and praise to the deep gifts and genius of Morrissey, but he is wrong to not like this song because this song is awesome and it is exactly what you said it is perfectly poised between self-loathing and just sadness and at the end of the song in a part we don't hear he just keeps going on about how all of the people he hates feel lucky and there is that ache of oh god i wish i could feel lucky too but because it's morrissey he can't just you 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 don't just get the simple Sadness, it also is mixed with all of that loathing, and it's that complicated emotional collision that makes the Smiths so awesome. Plus, like you said, the vocal is on point in this song, and I find the music in this song very beautiful and striking. To me, this is the template of a Morrissey song, but with those little extra ingredients that make me want more. And I just also think it's really great to have a song like this because there will never be an end to teenagers who feel this way about the people around them who both love and hate who who both hate and uh envy the people around them who feel well adjusted yeah and there was absolutely this sense hearing it like in my first semester at university which was like you know i'd finally shown them all and got out and gotten into an Ivy League school. And it was like, oh, right, wherever you go, there you are. And there was was a little bit of this letdown that it was like, oh, people can still be kind of dicks and, you know, selfish, and everyone else seems to have it figured out, and that hadn't changed. And hearing this song was like, okay, there is a safe aural space, at least, for me. Well... So for me, it was, I was so fixated in high school on the people who were making me miserable because there were people who were actively choosing to harass me. Like, not in a way where I was punched in the face, although I was once, but there were just people who were like vandalizing my house, slipping Bible verses into my locker because I had been deemed the left-wing crazy of my school because even though I wasn't out to everyone, I was out to some people. But, you know, it was as I got older uh, in my teenage years and became less and less willing to be in the closet, I became more and more vocal about how insane it made me that my high school, though public, was completely choked with Christian rhetoric and all this stuff. So what I did in high school was ignore or somehow couldn't quite focus on the fact that I still, in spite of all that, had tons of really good friends, including two friends that I'm still close with to this day. Uh, You know, I actually was fairly popular in high school when I look back on it, but I was so miserable and felt so persecuted by this, these by specific people, but also just the general culture of my school, that when I got into college, I went to the school, uh, Emory University's Gay and Lesbian Student Office, which was the first in the South at any university. And I took one of their pamphlets and I put it at the bottom of my book bag so that I was walking around my high school. And sometimes I would just look at that pamphlet and be like, okay, okay, this exists. This is the world I'm going to. And I can remember so clearly that when other people around me were like, I'm not going to go to college. I, in a dickish way, I realize now, would kind of was like, oh, you're not? I am. But then when I got to college, for <laughs> me, it was like, thank God. I actually remember so clearly being in college and meeting for the first time in my life, I felt, Christians who were not 
judgmental, terrible assholes. That's I so clearly remember being like, oh, these people are Christians and I can be friends with them and they're not going to tell me that I'm going straight to hell. And like it was so college was like this great relief to me of realizing, oh, there are people who are like the people I went to high school with who are not like them in other crucial ways. But then as I got older and more mature, I realized, oh, right, those people were actually around me as well when I was 16. But I was so fixated on defining myself and was so feeling so choked by their intolerance that I couldn't see that. Anyway, so point being, if I'd had the song The Ordinary Boys, it would have been blasting out of my car every day on my drive to high school. Uh, Yeah, and you can exactly picture who he's talking about. Like yes. in some suburb of Manchester and su- like the suburbs of North Jersey and the suburbs of Eastern Tennessee. It's yeah. Like yep. there is the weather might be different, but the, the pain is the same. Well, and of course now I'm old enough to realize that probably every single one of the people that we were feeling this way about would have identified with this. Not everyone, but right. But there are a lot of people that, I'm sure I had pegged as my arch enemies who were feeling exactly the same amount of confusion and alienation that I was feeling. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, uh, Ricky, I want you to know that even though we were totally, you were my nemesis in high school, I've clocked on Facebook that you've turned into a pretty cool dude. So (laughs) (laughs) let's go listen to the Smiths and Morrissey together. There's always a Ricky, right? Yes. Mine, it turns out, liked me that way, which is why he was a tool. About it, and then he went into the Marines, and now he's like the vice chief of police in my town, and turned out to be a really rad guy. Yeah, and mine was, he had been a real fuck-up in middle school, and then uh, through Christianity actually got his life on track and became a really good student, but then was uh, we threatened each other because we were both equally good students, but we had completely different Uh, ideological personalities so it's like we couldn't exist around each other we made each other insane but now we've both chilled out and he is like a really cool guy who does all of this amazing charity work on behalf of disenfranchised people and i don't know i think i turned out okay so hey (laughs) well i'm i'm glad that the rickies of the the rickies of the world so often turn out okay um Talking yes. talk about like not able to be around each other. I think that um, became the case. Perfect segue. After, yes. After not too many years between Morrissey and Johnny Marr, um, I forget how I came to realize that Johnny Marr had put out an album um, with his band, The Healers, um, called Boom Slang. It's from 2003, I believe. They only had the oh, one. Oh, it's album. that recent. Yeah. They, I mean, it. I think he was like a session guy. Like there are songs from like the early '90s to mid '90s that like sometimes you're like, that sounds like Mars bell tone, and then it it is. Um, and then I think he's on a couple of Happy Mondays tracks because he mm. could be voice twins with their lead singer Sean Ryder. And let's face it, the Happy Mondays would need a sub for Sean Ryder sometimes because I think he was maybe a little crazy. Um. But this song, I think someone put it on a mix CD for me. It might have been a uh, friend of the podcast, Mike Dunn, um, formerly of the Shows of Note email list. It might have been this like reader of mine who just like sent me this tape one time, which was awesome. And I still have it. And I like reconstructed it in iTunes. 
it introduced me to a ton of music that I hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where I heard it. Um, maybe I was just like looking on LimeWire. Tee LimeWire. Um, <laughs> I'm an Feeling old... you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> the little lime icon on, on yes. the desktop. Um, just kidding. Download everything legally, please. No, uh, I've never. Although, yeah. Although now it's like. I just or just pay for your Apple Music or Spotify, so you can do the same thing, but for like ten dollars a month. Point yeah, is, exactly. don't just steal it. Yeah, don't don't steal it, please. Um. Anyway, however, I found this. Uh, it's a great album, and this song is what got me. Um, it's called "Down on the Corner," and it's like everything that Morrissey is not. Like there is this moment on a like late spring Friday at around five or five thirty. You've got the windows open, you're like your earbuds are in, you're high fiving strangers, you're wearing some <laughs> new shoes to meet up with an old friend. This song is that sunshine time and it is absolutely nothing that Maza would ever write or feel or be able to write or able to feel. There's nothing wrong with that, but this divergence to me is fascinating, and I also love this song. Let's hear a clip. I love the piano. I love the guitar. I love that it turns into a sing-along at the end. Um, It's just this very warm, friendly song that's very different to what Johnny Marr did with the Smiths. But in some ways, it's it's the same, that he knows how to pair the, the idea with the melody. And he has a very pleasant voice. It's not as good as Morrissey's, but it fits the material. Mark, had you ever, did you even know that this band existed? And what did you think of this song? I sure didn't know, but Sarah, you you know, you've just opened my eyes, mind, heart, and ears to so much this <laughs> In that week. Order. Uh, uh, also, I didn't know until I did some research for this episode that Johnny Marr had briefly been in the band Modest Mouse. Like, oh, what? really? He was in their either. band for like two for like two years. He started out by producing some of their tracks, and then he was just in the band for a while. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, why not? And so I had never heard this song either. And I have to say, thumbs up. I feel like. This song is a nice extension of Oasis and Blur and Verve Pipe and yeah. uh, like those sort of lushly orchestrated, beautifully sung rock ballads that British bands are so good at making. You know, where I feel like American rock bands have never quite been as willing to be pretty, to have their music be pretty, 
the yeah. way that a British rock band will let its music be pretty sometimes. And Coldplay this to me style. is a great example yeah, of that. I agree. I agree. And so, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I'm so glad. Um, yeah, I I am not surprised having heard the kind of Smith songs that you do like and your feelings about the one that I picked. I am actually not surprised that this is this is appealing to you because there is that, um, you know, the Smiths would occasionally have that more peppy, uh, slightly more optimistic feel mm. to them. Um, I think those are probably Johnny Marr tracks. And this one is just like, I mean, there's a little bit of wistfulness to it, but mostly it's just like, let's go out and have a shandy and sit on the stoop and pitch playing cards into a hat. Go, you know, get up, put, <laughs> and then at the end, it's like, no, 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 we're doing this. Put your shoes on. Like, don't, don't take forever because being young. I've got my hat ends. right here. Yeah, get your ass outside. Exactly. I've got my playing cards that I'll say "bye, girl" on the back, and we have to throw <laughs> them into a hat. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say about um, about that song. I will say, listeners, uh, we would love to hear what you think about this and anything else that we talk about uh you know where to find us it'll be in the bumper uh if you've forgotten but yeah what is your uh what are your favorite smith songs did you just miss the smith's window were you too young too old we'd love to hear from you as always down on the corner where there's nothing to do This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting, that's me, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting, that's also me. Do you need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet at us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page. That's at patreon.com slash mastass. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.